Uh, this is probably the the best question we have ever received, question. and that and is what we're starting one? out yeah. with. Yeah, that's what we're starting with. It's a fantastic yeah. question. Has anyone ever asked this? No, never. And welcome back, welcome aboard another R train. I am one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. Cermak wasn't with me at the PGA Show week because he was on his honeymoon in Tulum, Mexico. He is now back. Can't wait to catch up with him. But for now, I'm going to bring you guys my first interview live from the PGA show with two of my favorite people on social media, two of my favorite pros in golf. Before we get to that, in case you guys are new, we help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PGA Tour pro and a Tour pro like today with Hannah and Fred to a golfer like you and me. So, before we get into interview with them, we got to thank our friends at Roback Activewear. I have probably about eight of their hoodies, and I'm seeing more and more. Everyone's wearing these hoodies. They're the best hoodies in the game. I can't stop buying them. They're so stretchy. They're so soft. They're so stylish. But now they're more than just a polo and a hoodie brand. They've got golf pants. They're coming out with golf shorts. This year in the spring with belt loops, I love their everyday shorts and their gym shorts, but they're coming out with belt looped golf shorts soon. The best polos in the game, as well as workout shirts, Q-zips, crew neck sweatshirts, joggers, shorts, they got it all. So rollback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. If the code doesn't work, it means you've probably used it before. You've bought something from them before. Get a new email from a friend, a wife, whoever you need to do, create a new one. You didn't hear it from me. But get the discount. You deserve it. Roback is the greatest gear in the game. Thanks to my friends at Roback for all that they do. We got some, maybe some exciting stuff coming with them this year. So I can't wait to tell you more about it soon. All right. This interview with Hannah, Greg, and Fred Lindblom. You probably follow them on social media. They are two of my favorite people. I've become friends with them over the years. And the reason why I love interviewing folks that are on the mini tours and trying to get their tour card at the LPGA and PGA level is it's the ultimate fertile ground for understanding the impact of the mental game and very little things that they do that we don't or even things that they do wrong that we can learn from in our game. It's so easy in this scenario where your life and your livelihood your financials, and your dream is on the line every time you tee it up. And they need to be arguably more mentally strong than any other tour because the checks are so small, the margins are so fine and thin. We learned so much from Fred and Hannah today. It was so fun to do this in person. If you want to watch the video of this, it'll be on our YouTube at The Par Train. That comes out Monday. Podcasts come out, come out on Sunday. So no matter where you guys are hitting the ball, no matter how much self-doubt you have, no matter how much you think is on the line, all you guys got to do is enjoy the ride. Take care. Fred Lindblom, yep. Anna Gregg, I can't believe this is the first time you've been on the podcast. Is, is he just is so he long. just like leaving me hanging here? Yeah, I mean with a oh okay, <laughs> I, my guy, my guy. There you go. That's good. Well, well, <laughs> for people on audio, I just had my hand out for about eight seconds and uh, didn't get a handshake until now. We're good. I'm though. nervous, man. Yeah. Come on, now. yeah. There's nothing to be nervous about. You're in the trust tree. Okay. People think this is the par train, but it's actually the trust tree. So this is probably going to go 
many different ways. But the first question I have for you guys to start today is, what changed for each of your games after starting to date someone that was going through a very similar thing as yourself? What used to be hard that got easier and maybe anything that actually got harder? You know what, before I answer that question, uh, this is probably the, the best question we have ever really received. Question. And that and is what we're one? starting out yeah. with? Yeah. That's what we're starting with. It's a fantastic yeah. question. Has anyone ever asked us that? No, never. Do you want to you wanna give it a oh, go yeah. first? No, I, I also just thought of that question in the bathroom. Oh, so. you did? Yeah. Nice. Well done. Um, I have benefited so much from when Fred and I started dating to now. Like, he is much more established as a pro as a pro than I was, especially when we first started dating. I had just turned pro. You'd been pro like six years or something like that. Yeah. So he'd been through everything. He knew how to sign up for Q schools. He knew how to like hack the system to do the scheduling. He knew about budgeting. Like I didn't know anything. So um, yeah, golf's hard enough. You don't hear about all the other stuff that goes yeah. with it. And being a pro is not just the golf. You become like your own accountant, your own manager. You have to organize all your travel, all of that stuff on your own. So for me, it was a huge advantage. And then he also caddied for me. And Fred's golf IQ is just through the roof. I mean, he's just been like a nerd of the game forever. So just like being around him and looking at how he reads lies and all of that stuff and strategy was huge for me. Um, it's weird in girls golf. I think it's because we don't grow up with a bunch of other girls to mess around with. Guys, I've noticed, will sit with each other, like our men's team would just have like chip-offs and like talk with each other about how they would do a shot. And girls don't really do that. So when I had Fred to just sit with me all day and practice and try weird stuff, I got so much better so fast. I don't think Fred got much better at golf when he started dating me. Hopefully I helped organize his life He's a little bit. He's grabbing for the mic uh, quickly. Yeah, well, that's not true. That's definitely not true. But... Uh, it's true that I had already gone through everything that Hannah was facing, right? Yeah. I've already played uh, years on different tours. W- my IQ was definitely slightly higher than what Hannah's was at the moment. One big thing was just what you're talking about, reading lies, understanding different shot shapes and what has to happen, and also different shots that you need playing professional golf. So she used to have a very flat flight and in the beginning of her career, she couldn't just hold greens. So we had to look mm. at the equipment to get the, the launch up, spin rates up. It's small stuff that is a little bit different when you play on a professional level compared to uh, maybe on an amateur level where the greens are faster and firmer. Yeah. But, you know, just being also... The biggest thing is that professional golf might be the most lonely sport in the world. Because you might, if you don't have mm. a partner out there with you, you're literally out there you know, practicing by yourself from, for hours. And you, no matter how much you love the game, eventually you will get tired of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Just being out there by yourself. Tournament golf is one thing because at least you're surrounded by other competitors. You have friends out there. But the daily grind has become so much easier having Hannah there. And I'm convinced I most likely wouldn't still be playing professional golf if it wasn't for Hannah because mm. I would have been kind of sick of it. Right. Yeah, you know, I've done, you know, I've been on the Asian tour, I've played in Europe, South America, Canada. So I've kind of done it all, but having, you know, watching Hannah play, getting inspired by that, we were used to at Q school. I might be jumping ahead here in the questions, but, you know, I got the caddy for her at the biggest stage. You know, I've been there. Hannah hasn't really been in that 
environment and it was so inspiring watching her do good that I was like, I, I, I want to do this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. just getting the inspiration from your partner and not having to be all by yourself all the time is huge. Having Hannah there by, you know, by my side. I love that. Let's give people a little context because I'm going to give context in the intro, but give people a little context on your, your current status, what tour you've, you play on or trying to qualify for and kind of not where you've been, but just give people where you're at in the current state. Okay, so I'm Hannah Gregg. Yeah. I'm a professional golfer. I turned pro in the worst year you could possibly turn pro, which was COVID. Yeah. So my first real pro event was in 2021. Um, I have played on the Epson Tour for the past year. I had status on that tour in 22 and 23. and Which I, is like the corn ferry for yes, LPGA. exactly. Um, and it is all over the U.S., so I played all over the U.S. this past year. I lost my card on that tour and then went to Q School in December and earned my ladies' European tour card in Morocco. So that's, Fred was caddying for me there. And uh, real quick, how does that compare? Is that an upgrade from Epson? So it depends how you think about it. Yes, most people would say yes, because the Ladies European Tour is the top European tour. Yeah. But the Epson Tour is similar purse-wise, like money-wise it's a little similar. The European Tour has bigger events throughout the season, like the Solheim Cup or the Evian, which are majors. Yep. Um, but the Epson the Tour, Aramco. yeah, the Aramco events also, Big huge events. But the Epson Tour has a ton of LPGA Tour players that bounce back and forth. So the depth of talent on the Epson Tour, I would say, is a little stronger, okay. um, which I think was great preparation for me because I was getting my butt kicked on the Epson Tour all year. I learned quite a bit about uh, playing with real high-level tour players, and I think that elevated my game a lot. But the European Tour is full of really, really impressive players as well. Mm-hmm. I would say the Epson Tour is maybe slightly lower, so this is probably an upgrade in that the big events are huge, but the Epson Tour, the talent is very, very deep there as well. Okay. What about you, Fred? So I've kind of taken a little bit of a backseat in playing the last couple of years because we, start, we started a company, Short Game Gains, that's yep. done really well. Hannah has had you know, full status pretty much after she on Epson, so... I'll let him get off to the sunset. Uh, but I'm, I'm planning on playing more this year. I did miss at Q School, so it's going to have to be a Monday Q grind for me. Uh, we're going to spend some more time in Europe, where I'm hoping for potentially some invites or playing mm. my way into some Challenge Tour events or something similar to that. Uh, so uh, but I'm playing pretty good. Just last year, I only played four events, which you can dream about getting through Q School, but if you only play four events in a year... You, you're not just you're not prepared enough. The competition is just so too, too good right now. So I got to try to get more competitive rounds in this year and uh, try to you know keep up with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to get to the DP World Tour final round of qualifying. I want to get to that, but first, not to be a downer, but I like starting here just because it gives us a really good fertile ground to jump off from. I really want to start with like the low of lows. Like, what was each of your guys' low of lows, and what got you there? Low of lows. What was your rock bottom? I mean, I don't know if I (laughs) hit it yet. I think uh, one thing that was a little bit disappointing was 
playing really well the season before last, getting my Epson tour card, being excited for the season, being ready to like play well. And I just felt like, wow, I'm really trending. I've improved so quickly. Everything's going the right direction. And then just playing so bad whenever it mattered, like especially at, and I don't want to be like, I'm really clutch, but like I trust myself a lot in pressure situations. I felt like I was ready for it and I was like excited. And then whenever I like, needed it I just felt like I couldn't it didn't come together for me or something crazy would happen or I wouldn't feel prepared and it just was like this jumble of learning a new tour and all these things and I got a little bit overwhelmed and I felt like four events in I was like okay like we have four events left in the season you got to get your card this was like the time and I just kept not playing well Fred came out to try and help me like figure something out and it just kept like it just felt like slogging through mud all season and we were like this is supposed to be this super fun season of keeping going like this and the trajectory being awesome and it ended up just being me like feeling so uh I don't think I hit rock bottom but I was just so frustrated what was the crazy thing that happened not, I mean, it's not really any one crazy thing. It's just those weeks you have to be, and this was my first time having a full season on a real tour. So I learned that while you're playing a tournament, you're organizing your host housing for the tournament that you're going to next. So like when you leave the golf course, you finish your round, you practice a little bit, you literally hop on your phone to try and arrange your flight for the next one because you just found out you got into it. You have to find host housing, you have to apply for it, you have to pay your entry fee for it, which is not cheap. So you're like, it's always compounding. And on top of that, if you're not playing well, which I wasn't hitting it very well, it was these like mentally exhausting rounds where you have to really be like zoned in the whole time and really fighting to like, I was like scraping it around to shoot 73. I was like, this is so not fun. So after like eight weeks on the road of that, I was pretty fatigued and pretty like mentally worn out. And I feel like that was the, just started to get a little bit negative. I feel like that was the Mm. low for sure. That was probably in like August. I mean, yeah, I mean, pro golf is... So that wasn't that far before it was like right to before. you getting your card. The, the way the Epson Tour schedule works is you have until first stage to earn enough money to not have to go back to first stage. So literally the four events, I had to sign up for first stage in case I had to go, and then my whole goal was to not go. So I had to earn as much money, I don't know what it was, like five grand or something. So every tournament, you're sitting there like, I have to finish at this to make this much money to not do this. And then when it doesn't happen, the next tournament, you're like, now I have to make twice as much to not have to go. So, yeah, you know the whole time, which makes it even worse. Right. I mean, it's always, you know, professional golf is always the financial side of professional golf is what gets the hard, right? Because, you know, it's all up on up to you you're paying for all the expenses and you you might you know you play well one week make six grand you're like wow that's so much money but that's like two events (laughs) if you have to fly somewhere you have to stay for a hotel for a whole week uh food and everything so it's the same for me like i had a really tough year on the latin tour i had done pretty well over in asia dubai and came to latin tour finished fourth at q school i think like played really well and then we were, I remember first tournament was in Panama. Hannah came with me. We were, it was literally 80 miles per hour wind. Like, it was one par four. I drove it. It was 450. Like, I hit it on the green. Then the next par four was 400 into the wind. I hit driver 180. 
Hannah. were literally bending Sideways. to where we didn't want to stand near them because we didn't know if they would snap. Yeah. <laughs> and Hannah could barely walk. And I was one under after 17, so I was continuing like this is going to be my year. Yeah. And I triple bogeyed 18, and then I didn't play great in the second round and missed a cut. And it was, I kind of had a little yipperoo that year with the putter, which you don't really want to say on Mike, but yeah. I did. <laughs> and which I figured out after a while, but it was a little bit too late. So it's just, you know. You're out there, I was in South America playing bad golf, and it's not fun. But then at the same time, yeah, I mean, that's just, playing bad golf sucks. Even for a pro or even for an amateur, but it makes a lot more, you know, it hurts even more when you're playing for a living, that's for sure, yeah. So what would you guys say is your relationship to the mental game? Like, what is the mental game to you, and how big of a focus is it? It's a big focus for us. Fred, when I first turned pro, and I didn't make it through Q school my first year. Maybe I did mm-hmm. make it through, but I played no, bad. Not the first year. Yeah, didn't make it through. Yeah. And Fred was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you're definitely talented enough to make it, but your attitude is so bad. And he was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. say this, like, nicely, but I'm saying it to you because I care. Like, your attitude is so bad out there. So he started making me, like, we do a lot of the Scott Fawcett decade stuff. So Fred yeah. would make me do, like, a happiness scorecard, which I is... I love your guys' videos you did with him. Yeah. No, good. he's... Like, Scott he, is... He should be on video, like his stuff. He's great. You know? He's helped me a ton. Fred made me do his little, like, emotions scorecard where you say, like, did you have a good attitude on this hole? You draw a little smiley. And uh, it just, you don't really realize how negative you're being until somebody shows you. And then you're like, wow, I was probably, like, awful to be around. Um, So that helped me a lot. That changed a lot in the trajectory of my game, I think. And also this year, I talked to Scott a lot about, like, meditating and preparing before events. I kept telling him that I felt like I wasn't getting hot fast enough and, like, needed to birdie, like, three holes of the first nine. And he was like, that's not what it is. And Fred was like, literally, no. It's you need to be calm, cool, collected, literally feel as if you're not pressing at all and let that stuff come to you, which when you're under pressure like that, it feels like you have to push and push and it's actually, you're supposed to like let go. So the mental side for me now is like a non-negotiable. It's like the building blocks of everything Fred and I do in tournament golf now. Yeah. And I think caddying for Hannah, you kind of see it from an outside perspective, how much a poor attitude or you know, being upset actually affects your game. Mm. So, like, caddying for Hannah, you know, you see it in, in person, you're like, oh, like, I do some of that too, I probably shouldn't. So, uh, mental, like, I definitely, some people say that uh, golf is 90% mental, which is definitely not true. It's still a skill-based sport. Yeah. Maybe if you and I are exactly at the same level of skillness, 100% is mental. But you can't say, like, uh, like Bernard Longer, I think, said it the best. It's like, I'm just oh, yeah. better than you at golf, bro. I can have the worst attitude and you can't touch me, yeah. which is fair. Like, yeah. oh, right. So it's right. a mental, the mental aspect is super important. Hendrik Stenson's caddy, Peter Cowan, also had a famous quote. It's like, I don't care how good your mental coach is. If you're hitting it 50 yards left, 50 yards right on the range every time, you can't have a good attitude. Yeah. So it's, it's a balance between having feeling like you're hitting it good enough, have a good skill, and then apply, you know, the mental side with wherever you are is uh, at whatever skill level you have. What was define a bad attitude for Hannah? What did that mean? So Hannah gets, you know, if something bad happens, you can handle it in different ways, right? You can get upset, you can get mad, or you can get sad. Mm -hmm. Hannah got sad. 
like it. effective her in two negative. If you see good place like Tiger, even so join wrong internal, get quiet, head yeah, down. Exactly. Yeah. I would rather it's like just throw the club, babe. I go pick it up. Like really, like, get yeah, it out, yeah. right? Get it out. And Fred does that. I think that's the difference between us. And it took us a while to figure out what the difference was because Fred will, like, walk over to the cart, like, kick the wheel or something, and then he's done. Like, that was it. He's gotten it out. He's moved on. He's fine. And the next shot is not affected by it. That, like, didn't work for me. Like, I used to try to get it out, and it would actually just make me, like, more mad and anxious. So Fred was like, do you, like, just not believe in yourself or what? Like, you don't think you can hit the next one okay? And I was like... That's so true. So for me, though, I have to do the opposite. I have to go very positive and be like, what, you don't think you can do it? You don't think the next one could be a semi-decent shot? Like, so I feel like we're very different in that approach. I was going to say, people are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Matt Kutcher, he deals with it by being super positive all the time. He right. can't get mad, and then right. he can't recover from it. Yeah. So you got to figure out what works for you. Like Hannah is a player that needs to be... Oh, okay, that's fine. Okay, let, don't let it get to you. I'm more of a player that can get mad... And I, and I, and I'm, but I'm not getting negative. It's yeah. the same with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods never, like if you listen to anyone, he gets mad. Not ever has he said like, oh, I can't do anything. Why am I even out there? You hear that sometimes. Yeah. You, no one, that's never came out of Tiger Woods' mouth. Right. Like his belief in himself is still there, even if he's hitting bad shots. And that's super important because you can get mad, but the belief has to be in there. So that's let me ask mental you guys toughness. this. Would you say that Hannah is an extrovert and you're an introvert? No, I would say the opposite. The opposite, she's really? A, yeah. She's a massive introvert. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm probably more of an extrovert. Yeah. Interesting, because according to Mental Golf Type, and it's not perfect, I don't yeah. know if you guys have ever looked at that system, but essentially it's a personality-driven, Myers-Briggs-like system for your personality type for golf. Mm-hmm. And historically, or in most cases, if you're an extrovert in your personality – that when you are experiencing, they call it stress mode, on the course, you tend to go into your non-dominant phase, which is introversion. Mm. So like for me, I'm an extrovert. When I'm playing poorly, I feel like an absolute failure. And you'll know it because I get quiet. Mm. I walk with my head down. I don't want to talk to people in the group. And so one tool, according to Mental Golf Type, is that's draining your battery. So... For you, if you noticed, let's say she is one, yeah. an extrovert, even though you're not. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. But let's say she was, or maybe for you, mm-hmm. and you got quiet, that would be a signal yeah. to your caddy that you're experiencing stress. A good thing for you to do, you hear caddies and players talk about it all the time, let's just talk about something else. Yeah. Let's talk about football. Let's, let's have Fred ask you about what's going on for you. That way you stay external and you don't go internal, which creates stress for an extrovert. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. That's interesting, though, that you do the opposite. Yeah, Yeah. but I also feel like you would hate it if I started talking to you after a bad shot. Yeah. (laughs) You would would hate it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, don't talk to me. I I, I sort this out myself. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's another example of that. It's not a perfect system, right? So right. Like everyone are different. But I agree what you said makes so much sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. You will turn internal. Yeah. And I definitely, like, I work with a lot of players as well in coaching, and I definitely can see that. And I can definitely see how that could help players. So that's, that's actually really good. Yeah. I'll send you guys a link. It'll yeah, be interesting it to do it. It's a free assessment. 
one thing I'd love to learn about, so I don't know if you guys have seen, but I proclaimed this year to stop trying to figure out my own game mm-hmm. and trying trying different shit every week. And yeah. so I got a coach, and we're, I'm going to him every nice. week, every other week. I'm not changing anything unless it's with him, mm-hmm. right? And one thing I'm learning is he's teaching me about my foundations, what I do, why I do it, and maybe what causes the high right or whatever, so that when it does go high right, it's not that it, oh, shit, it went right. It's that I held on to it. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a certain level of checkpoints and keys mm-hmm. so that when you go, go off the rails for a shot or a hole or three holes, you have something to go back to. Do you guys have a system like that that keeps you somewhat on the rails during a round? Yeah, I mean, so we've been doing this for so long. Like, we know our tendencies inside and out, and they really don't change. So, like, the things that you do when you're nervous, you pretty much are always going to do them. The things that your swing does when you don't practice, when you're tired, all that stuff pretty much stays the same. Fred and I know, like, very well what we do when we're nervous and what happens to our bodies when we've been playing four rounds in a row and been on a long flight. So knowing those tendencies gives this, like, big sense of peace, I think, because yeah. it's not sometimes you're when not you're You're not searching, bad, figuring, or fixing. You're not you like, know it. well, I've never seen that before. Like, you know, you that misses Can I ask what your tendencies are? Yeah, so, like, my tendency, if aside from the negativity thing which I feel like I have gotten quite a bit better at aside from that my tendency when I'm nervous or when it's a tense situation I get very fast so I start walking really fast talking really fast I forget to eat I've finished rounds where I was very nervous where I look at my stats book and I haven't written anything down because I just felt like I had no time Mm -hmm. so a big thing for me is like slowing down my walking like waiting until a girl hits before I start moving. I'm just a fast player, and all of that gets amplified when I'm uh, not playing well or when I'm stressed. So that, for me, is huge, like slowing down. It also affects my swing in the way that it gets shorter and faster, which mm. I think most people do from yeah, what we've seen totally. in the biz. Like, you stop turning, you don't go as long of a backswing, everything gets kind of rushed and not synced up. And just knowing that, like taking way slower practice swings in the moment, it feels like you're a snail and it's like the worst thing ever, but it helps. So Mm. that's my thing. I think every good player has a big team and they always trying to figure out your tendencies. So every, I, if there's a good player out there that don't know their tendencies, I would be extremely surprised. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, the amount of golf you play, but it's important to know what causes, for example, like you said, the high right, right? As long as you know that, you know kind of how to solve it because you're not going to hit perfect shots throughout the round. So there's going to be times during the round where, you know, you're going to have to just hold on, figure out what works, and problem solve. So having a good coach, you know, we work a lot with golf tech, who's got all the data and 3D and camera systems that can tell you exactly how much or what's turning, how much and what angle, whatever is. So if you have a good coach that can kind of understand all those numbers, they can tell you this is what happens and these are your tendencies. And like you see, that's going to help you tremendously. I also feel like it's not, it helps you to know what is going wrong because then you don't have to panic like allowing yourself to know that I'm not always going to play good and being okay with it like something that helped me was like 
being okay. What did you used to say? That guy said you're supposed to hit seven bad shots around or something. I mean, oh, Hogan, I think. Yeah. Yeah, when Fred told me that, I was like, because then I was like, oh. I think Hogan said something like, I only hit one like, or two, yeah. one or two perfect shots yeah. or, something. Yeah. or something. Yeah. So when, when I heard that, I was like, oh, if I don't need to be mad about the bad shots and I can just focus on figuring out how to like get through the round okay and scramble it, I feel like that's the difference between good and great players is the great players are like, meh, so how do I fix it? And they just kind of figure out a way to like get through the day instead of sitting there being mad that like they hit the bad shot. My coach always told me, like, you're going to hit 10 bad shots. Manage your expectations. There's going to be 10 bad shots during the round. Yeah, that was when one you of my hit ten. one, don't be surprised. That's like you accept and move on. There's yeah. going to be 10, and there's various degrees of bad shots, right? For yeah. a great player, a bad shot is not as bad as a 10 handicap or 15-20. Yeah. But if you expect to hit 10 bad shots, you're, you're going to be much more level-headed throughout the round. I was just talking with, uh, actually, my coach. Uh, it was just with him, the podcast right before you guys and he made a really interesting point he he used to play basketball was his thing before golf and he talked about how he was a great shooter and some days he'd have an off day but his off day is hitting the rim yeah, yeah. golf's off day could be 60 yards off your target yeah 100%. It, there's probably no other game like it so i think dispersion is probably the thing that is most unnerving would you guys agree with that? I mean, just yeah. seeing something so far off your target. I mean, yeah. What is your tendencies when I mean, you get your my, bad tendency? Would you say? Yeah, my tendency is to. I mean, I can be super technical, but my biggest tendency is that I tend to get a little picky in my backswing, slide too much towards the target, side bend, and kind of not get through to my left side. Like I have this whole thing, right? I know exactly what I'm doing, but in a to, no, it's not necessarily short and quick because the length doesn't really matter. It's more that I, I lean back and I can't transfer my way to the left so I kind of stall and flip. Hmm. So it's, it's, it, so when it's that a happens, what do you pattern. say to yourself? Okay, I know what happened. So I'm like, okay, so, then I take like a couple practice swing, making sure that I have more of a pivot instead of sliding, and I have like, this is the drills I know that works. Hmm. So like, that's a calming factor too because it's like, it's not what just happened. I'd be like, oh, right. oh shoot, that was that again. Like, right. let's just, I know what to do, so let's hopefully hit a bad, better one next time. And Hannah, you said the difference between really great players and great players is, from what I heard, was they're get curious, not judgmental mm-hmm. during the round. Yeah, I feel like the you, they're a little more impartial. And I think it's not that they're, they don't care as much. It's they're like, I don't have time for this right now. And that's like an attitude shift that I had to start doing. I was oh, like, I, like I can that. be mad later. Like, I'm going to go to the range after this. But yeah, right now, we don't it. have time. I'm in the round. I'm competing. Literally, now is the time to just move on and figure it out. And I think it helps a lot because it shifts your focus from, like, that shot to, like, what am I going to do on the next one? And not in a – I don't think you should go to the next one and be like, what am I going to do on the next one? It's like, what do I want to do to feel like I can do what I know I'm supposed to do? And Fred – is very good at that like he'll when I'm caddying for him and he hits a bad one he'll say I need more of that like wipey fade feel or he'll say I want to hit like a pull fade on the next one and we'll just kind of go from there and I think saying it out loud also helps like verbalizing what you want to do yeah yeah all right guys stay seated keep those seatbelts fastened I got big news from one of our friends and one of your favorite sponsors Meridian Putters they just did maybe the impossible 
Okay. I've been in this industry a very long time and I used to work with TaylorMade. I know how the Golf Digest hot list works. I can't remember the last time that a company won a gold medal hot list for their product the first year in business and the first time ever submitting to the Golf Digest hot list. Meridian Putters won a gold medal in the blade category for the Charleston and Okatee models. Okay, let me just put this in a little bit of context. Remember, Meridian is a new milled putter company that based on their manufacturing process and their mission and commitment to helping everyone experience the joy and the beauty of a milled putter, they can mill a putter from a single block of steel for half the price of a Bettinardi and a Scotty Cameron. People used to ask me, is it as good? Is it as good? You don't have to wonder if it is. It is. They won the same award in the same category as Bettinardi and Scotty Cameron, and their putters start at under 250 bucks. And you can totally build and frame your own putter from the model, the finish, face, insert or not, and the cut. You can even inscribe, I put the Partrain logo on the toe and I put the coordinates of the old course at St. Andrews on the heel. And I put enjoy the ride on the sole. Meridian has done something that I can't remember anyone ever doing. We just did a, a giveaway on Instagram. If you listen to the show and you don't follow our Instagram, that's a good reason to do it. We gave away four gold putters as celebration on Friday. This is coming out on Sunday. So if you didn't win, go to meridianputters.com, enter the code TRAIN, and you can get 25% off building your own milled putter. Again, the ones that won are the Charleston and OKT models, the milled series, even though they're all milled. And you can build your own putter for less than 200 bucks that is just as good as a Scotty or a Bettinardi. I don't know if we've ever had a better deal than that on this show. So meridianputters.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 25% off. Huge congrats to my friends at Meridian. This is something unheard of, and it's a really a testament to their quality and what they've accomplished. So I hope you guys can experience this quality for yourself. I love mine. And uh, let's get back to the show. You guys know what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, if you don't know what you need to do, that's probably step one. Problem number one. Is to figure out what you need to do, because how are you going to do it if you don't know what you need to do? Yeah, and I think, like, this is something that surprised me, because when I turned pro, I was like, I'm going to do all the drills, I'm going to do all the games, I'm going to get so good at everything, and it was like, not working, I wonder why. (laughs) And Fred was like, no, 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 like, the best players, like, have you seen Tiger's drills? He's done the same drill every day for the last 20 years, and it's not a complicated one. It's he found the five that he likes, and that's what he does. And kind of like what you were saying, you were like, I'm going to stop trying to fix it, and I'm going to stick to what I know. Like, that's how you get better at golf. Yeah. Yeah. And another another big thing is that if you look at the best players in the world, right, you go to a PGA tournament, like in the practice round or whatever, everyone has a coach there or a track man, foresight, right? You go to the putting green, they have practice aids. So the best players in the world uses all these tools and coaches and everything to get better. Yeah. But like, have you ever been at a private club and seen someone use a putting mirror? Like that's super rare, right? Or have you ever seen someone, you know, the majority of amateurs don't even really get good coaching on a consistent basis. So like, it's like the resources are out there. Uh, if you have the opportunity to, 
utilize, like use them than do it because it's just it's just so much easier when you're not by yourself. You know, I picked this sky track because I didn't think anybody was up here, yeah. and it's actually not that quiet. Um, yeah, that's it's just it's so fascinating. We just had Kelly Craft on the podcast, and he was like, he does one thing with his mirror on the green, mm-hmm. and he checks his shoulders, and if his shoulders look closed, then he's practiced with them feeling a little bit more open and he just gets back to neutral and it's like man i haven't even gone down that i'm, I'm working on the swing right now i haven't even gone down the route with remember with your putting mirror you sent me right i'm going to get my eyes in the right spot <laughs> and i was like wait i'm too close to the ball yeah, yeah. and so these are all like little aha moments i want to ask you guys about your tiger moments let's talk about the moments where you felt unstoppable can you can you think about the things you were thinking the things you felt and what were the patterns and trends there you want me to go first we went debbie downer now we're going tiger yeah. mode tiger moments so i just started uh, dating hannah you know, I'm trying to flex a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like let her know that as I, you do. I, I, I'm a good player, right? Yeah. You know. Try, yeah. Anyways, she came and catered for me at the Latin Tour Q School when, pretty much when we first started dating. And the first two days, I think I shot 69, 67. We were just rocking through this super difficult golf course. Anyone that's played it, Mission Inn in Florida, in in uh, in windy conditions, it's brutal. And uh, you know, we danced through that. I think we shot level part last day. We had actually had a chance to win the whole Q school there with a couple of holes to go. And that was really cool. I, I won tournaments. I played, you know, great rounds. But that was just really cool because I got to share that with, you know, obviously the girl that I love. And uh, that was just a really, like, core memory because I was performing really well. And, uh, you know, for some reason at that time, too, I posted, like, everything on social media so everyone followed me through the whole q school i was responding to dms and i like stuff that i would not recommend and i haven't really done since then but it was cool like because everything was just working now real quick before we go to you hannah some people in those moments when you're trying to prove something can press i make this mistake with my best buddy we're member guest partners you'd be like why are you trying to prove yourself to your best buddy but my best buddy was D1 player at Missouri State, was always the number one ranked amateur in Missouri growing up. And I would be away from living in California. He's back in St. Louis. And I would get better. And I'd be like, God, I can't wait to show him how I'm not some scrub anymore and how good I am now. Yeah. And then I'd play like shit. Yeah. So why do you think that worked for you? Do you think it's because you stayed offensive and you kind of had this, like, swagger uh, a little bit? Like, watch what I can do type mentality? I, I think a little bit of that and that I started out good. Because, you know what I mean? I was just kind of riding high. Everything worked out. The first round, I shot a great score. And, uh, you know, I was happy. I was not by myself. Hannah was there. So I think if I would have had a tougher first round, probably would have backfired. But uh, it was just, like, everything just... <laughs> Are you, do you remember anything? What? No, okay. He All right, tell us the everything. truth. No, <laughs> okay, a lot of stuff went not great that week. Fred was very, very good that week about managing, and he had a coach at the time who he talked to all the time. He was still living in Georgia, so he saw John a lot. And they had a very specific game plan that week. They said, 
John told me we are going to take aggressive swings at conservative targets yep. and we're going to let everything out of our control. What did he say? He said lose control to gain control, I yeah, think, was the thing did. we said. So every hole, we would I say... I like lose control. We would yeah. say lose control to gain control, aggressive swings to conservative targets. Literally, like Fred had it written in his scoring book, everything. Yeah. You didn't just, like, play good because you played good the first round. He had a great attitude. Don't you feel like my story was better, right? <laughs> it was a little bit... That I mean, was it like, had a little more drama. Yeah, it did, right? You know? No, but she's right. She, um, I had a, a great relationship with John Tarasol. If anyone lives in Atlanta, Georgia, go see that guy. He's unbelievable at what he does. Not only is he a great instructor, he's pretty much been like a second dad to me. Yeah. I say that, John, you're all the sick, okay? So you're kind of like a second dad. Grandpa. So John is a big reason to why I even play professional golf. But John and I had a game plan, 100%. Uh, we were not going to be too aggressive, especially not on this golf course that's extremely difficult. And that definitely helped. And then obviously having Hannah there helped. And I definitely wanted to, you know, play well. And I did. So I think it's a little bit combination. Of course, I had a game plan. I wasn't just coming off there to show off, right? Yeah. But yeah, but the, to get to the point, that was definitely a Tiger moment for me. Everything worked out and I had a great week. And and if you're not saying Epson tour Q school, I don't know what you're going to say. But really? Well, Are you serious? Real quick, before you do, <laughs> what's interesting about this is, so one of the guys I coach on the mental side, yeah. he played, his goal is to make qualify for the USAM. Yeah. Okay? And basically, his peak was probably high school golf. He was winning all these tournaments. And he told me about, we talked about his peak moment. He told me about this moment of people were in the, audi- in the gallery, and he said, watch what I can do. Mm. Watch cool. me hit this shot. Cool. Right? It's a very offensive-minded, mm-hmm. confident thought. But every time he's playing tournaments now, and he's not playing up to par, yeah. he's thinking, I'm so far away from the USAM, this is not going to work to get us into the USAM mm. that I feel like a failure. Mm. Starts to get tentative, starts to get defensive. It's an entirely different mode. So I wonder if you kind of emulate some of that watch what I can do type offensive I, moment. 100%. I always play better in front of a crowd. I don't know why. I always have. Like if there is a lot of people in the tee box, I hit a good shot. Yeah. So I do think that's huge. Maybe it uh, helps you laser in focus-wise. I, I, 100% I think so. And I like, okay, let's hit a good shot. Maybe it's a little bit why I play good with Hannah too. That I, this definitely, I, I like that. That was a really good kind of analogy. Yeah, actually, it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it's like, think about how you played sports as a kid. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to beat your friend. But it's so easy in golf to get so yeah. tentative yeah. and defensive. So what was your peak moment? Was it Q school? Well, Fred's talking about Q school to get my Epson tour card the oh. year before last. Got it. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair, yeah, I played great. For three I, days, unbelievable. I shot um, 71, 69, 70. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was maybe in 20th place. Go. So it's like top 100 go to the next stage. Um, I think top 150 make the cut, so I made the cut easily. I didn't know what I was at. Fred was caddying for me and watching all of that, and he was like, don't worry about it. We're good. Just no, we're let's good. get through it. Um, so, like, I was playing great, but also had this – I just felt so comfortable that week. Like, we were just – our hotel was nice. It was right next to the course. We were never rushing. We got good tea times. It's like one of those weeks where a lot of little things add up well. And so I played great, made the cut, and then we go into the final round, and 
that's when the nerves hit. So I was like, yeah. oh, you know, this matters a lot. This is to go to second stage. I've never been to second stage. I was in a situation I had never been in before. And I think I was like five over through the first 12 holes, which is like, it's slipping away. Like, I think maybe on hole 13 is when you pulled me aside. I don't know. 15. I was getting super negative, hitting not great shots. I was five over, but I was acting like I was 15 over. Like, I was acting like it was already done. Yep. And Fred pulls me aside, and he goes, basically, there's two things that can happen. You can keep doing whatever you're doing, and you can shoot yourself out of it. Or what did you say? I think you just said you can keep doing that, or you can, like, balls up, and we can try to make this happen. And I think we... The, re- the finishing holes are very difficult. I want to say we finished at even par through the last five to make it on the number. Yeah. No way. Which, yeah. It was, it was cool. so you not, went five under the next five no, holes? No, 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 even no, no. par. Even. Like she, she was so, so yeah. inside of it already. So it's mm-hmm. because she shot like a high. Yeah, I mean, if you would have bogeyed one more hole coming yeah. in, you we would have we missed. We would have missed. Oh, got so, it. You got yeah. to the so, cut number. Exactly. Got it. So we made it on the number basically because Fred pulled me aside and said, like, what are you doing? Like, he kind of pulled me out of it. So I would say those first three days were probably, like, my Tiger tournament. And then being able to snap myself out of it and, like, get something going for those last five holes when everything was going wrong and I had a horrible attitude, that, I think, was a really good – I pull from that a lot. I think that was a good experience. What was the biggest difference between the first – was it three days? Mm -hmm. First three days versus – I mean, obviously, the last round we know there's – you're thinking about the result. There's yeah. you're tighter. There's yeah. tentativeness. You know, yeah. I mean, it just it shifts. It only takes a little thing to shift your mindset from being super comfortable. And I think I had played in Q school before. I had played those first three rounds before, so that was nothing I had never seen. And then all of a sudden, we had made the cut, and this was the final round to move to second stage. And I was like, I never done this before. For me, something that I notice a lot in myself is that I hate the feeling of being unprepared or like that I don't know how something's going to work logistically or I haven't done it before. And so new experiences for me, I tend to, like, shy away from a little bit, and mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. Yeah, I mean, she had never been in that position. She's yeah. never had status on any tour. Yeah. You know, like, she, this yeah. was literally, like, her second year be fair, trying dream. pro golf. Yeah. yeah so it, so the fact is, like, this is the second time she ever plays Q school, and, I'm in and she she's, like, playing so good the first three days i'm like i'm over here like what is happening are we winning this like are we getting on the lpj tour and then she reality hit right because all of a sudden you you're just 18 holes away from achieving a massive goal before that you don't you know it's you're playing but it's so many rounds holes left so it doesn't really matter if you birdie or bogey um but uh the final round it matters and uh she learned a lot from that day and that we can like she learned a lot that she actually that was a i think uh, helped her to be able to get through first stage at european tour q school playing the last uh, four holes at two under par making it on the number again making a massive putt on the last because she had three holes yeah she she had been in, been in that position before she took away from that and and she performed the second time so well, we're going to get to the second time. But first, yeah. this makes me think of, so we've had Rick Sessinghouse, Colin Morikawa's coach of 18-plus years on the show. He was just on before you guys. And one story he told me about Colin winning the PGA, which, remember, he had never won a major. I think it was the 16th at uh, TPC yeah, Harding, Harding Park. Park yeah. Remember the drivable yep. par yep. four. 
And right before he went to that tee box, he told Rick how he saw himself tied for the lead. And the automatic human thought is, holy shit, Mm -hmm. I'm tied for the lead to do something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And get scared and excited by that, right? But what he did was he said, wow, okay, well, people win their first major all the time. Yeah. Why not me? So let's fucking go <laughs> and let's be the guy that wins it. That wins yeah, yeah. it. And it's like, what's interesting about that is like, yeah, it kind of sounds cliche, but like you can also feel the difference of what it does to your body. Yeah. Of It's like a simple... You guys talked about attitude in the beginning. The simple attitude shift kind of can change everything from defensive to offensive. I mean, does that ring true? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the meditation stuff that we do now, after talking to Scott and talking to Fred's really good friend, Kent Bazemore, who's a longtime NBA athlete. I think he's been in the NBA, like, what, nine years, ten years? Made he's a lot of money. Long time. Yeah, so he's a very long time high performing athlete and he was big into meditation, told us a lot about it. And it's like all about talking yourself into doing the things that you want to do yeah. instead of out of it. And I this feel like This was the theme of Mar- Maria Fossi's interview by yeah, the way. I feel like the like everyone says our brains because of like evolution and survival have a negativity bias which makes sense and i feel like that shows up a lot in golf like as soon as you get the adrenaline starting to flow it's very easy to be like so what's going to go wrong yeah so yeah i think talking yourself into good shots like colin did instead of talking yourself out of it is like huge yeah absolutely so then you get to dp world tour can we can we talk about the last four holes can we break it down yeah so it's ladies European tour, get it right? Yeah. yeah. What did I say? DP. DP. Yeah. Sorry, the ladies, ladies, <laughs> ladies, sort of boys. Ladies European tour. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why I'm holding the mic now. It's all her. But uh, she just missed an Epson, and she didn't really know what to do. And I said, Listen, you're playing great right now. You're definitely playing the best golf you've ever played. She had one bad round at Epson that kind of messed it up. Other than that, she shot on the par one round. I saw the potential. I said, Let's go to Europe. My family's from Europe, you know, we have a base in Sweden, so why not? Like, we travel every week anyway, we can just travel over there a little yeah. bit more. And uh, once again, she had a, she, she, I mean, she knows how to do it now. Like, in Morocco. In, oh, right? yeah. You let you take it. Well, yeah. So we missed, uh, I had a chance to keep my card, I missed that chance, didn't make enough money. Had a chance to go back to first and earn my card again, missed there. And it was weird because Fred for and Epson. I, right. yep, Epson, for Epson yeah. tour. And I was like, I'm not playing bad. Like, I, it was weird. We were like, I'm not playing bad. I didn't play badly at Epson tour queue. I shot 77 the first round, which, like, that is hurt. obviously not good. But it wasn't. I, it wasn't because I was playing bad. It was. Be, it was like just kind of sloppy. So it felt like I was playing better than like the score was showing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And happens. Mm-hmm, which so annoying. you were ball striking it. You just weren't scoring. I yeah. was doing like everything pretty well, and it was just felt like nothing was like coming together at the right times. Yeah. Missing uh, it in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
so then Fred was like, hey, you should think about in December, which, you know, usually Q School is in August for Epson tour. Usually you would just sit around and do nothing for the whole rest of the year because you don't have status and tournaments don't start again until May. And he was like, why don't we think about going to LETQ School in Morocco? And I was like, I'm not playing bad. I'm going to start doing this meditating and planning stuff. Well, this is I your feel idea. Like. Yeah, it was Fred's idea. Wow. And I was like... We have the money. I luckily got sponsored by a crowdfunding campaign called Carry for the last yep, year. So I Carrie. was able to like afford to go, which is obviously the number one thing. And so we went and Fred agreed to caddy for me. We went out to Morocco and how it works in on European tour is there's just two stages. There's first and final stage. And if you have already been on the tour, you can keep your card, which exempts you to final or you can go back to the first stage. So I was had never been on that tour, so I was in the first stage. And if you don't advance past first, you don't get your Ladies European Tour card. You have zero status. You play on a little feeder tour called the Access Tour. So basically our number one goal going into that week was we need to get to final stage. Um, so we went, we laid everything out. I think we did a very good job preparing for that tournament. We were meditating every single night and every morning. And I just felt very prepared and my game was like coming together and I was Are you guys like, doing like ten minutes a day? Twenty minutes a day? Probably twenty total, yeah. Probably ten at Guided like 10 in the or morning. silent. Yeah. yeah. We Guided? have this uh, I think it's called Waking Up is the app. Okay. Um, it's great. Really, really good. There's twenty a, minutes as a meditator myself, twenty minutes actually is makes a huge difference yeah than 10. totally totally 100 yeah. um i thought it was great we have a performance meditation for before tournaments and then like a bedtime meditation so uh we were doing all of that and i shot even part of the first day which was fine it was solid um i kind of felt like we had great. a we had a difficult <laughs> golf course our course was very like twisty turny Yep. Didn't play yourself out of it right there. Mm-hmm, of course. Second day, I shot 75, was which lovely. was not what we needed. <laughs> like, absolute opposite of what we needed. I had a triple bogey, I think, on a par... No, double bogey on a par 5. Like, a mm. reachable par 5. So mm. that really, really hurt. Yep. And we were just, like, kind of, like, disappointed, but also kind of, like, fired up. I was like, I'm playing so good. Like, how did I just shoot three over? This is ridiculous. Whatever. So we went back to the range... I was hitting it so bad. Like, I literally was hitting it. There were some S words on the range, like, literally going this way. And uh, Fred was like, we're going home. And I was like, we have to figure something out before tomorrow. Like, I can't hit the ball. He's like, we're going home. Like, you're going to show up tomorrow. It's going to be fine. We're going to do all of our normal stuff. This is just like, this is you being at Q school and feeling the stress. And I was like, okay, you're smart. So we go home. We have a good dinner. We get, like, 12 hours of sleep. We show up the next day. I'm three out of it. 12 hours of sleep. Probably 10. Probably. Yeah. Wow. Probably 10 or 12. Yeah. We're good sleepers. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we show up the next day. I know I'm three out of it. I know we have to shoot at least three to have a shot at getting in. So it's kind of a weird thing. Three under? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of a weird thing knowing what you need to shoot. I think it's good because you you kind of have a goal, but it also can kind of get in the way. Yeah. So. We knew what we needed to shoot, but we also just, like, put that aside and kind of focused on a good warm-up, all of our things. Performance meditation, good breakfast, all that stuff. I shot one under on the front nine, probably missing 
five makeable inside of 15 feet putts. Like it was like a ball striking clinic. So the day before I was shanking it on the range, the next day I'm absolutely striping it. <laughs> yeah. So I probably, so I missed five, four or five putts inside of 15 feet. The normal Hannah, I think, would have been like, I'm not making anything. But, like, it didn't even enter my mind. I was mm. unbothered by it. I was like, I'm hitting it so good. Like, yeah. this is great. It's, so a, it's only a matter of time mm-hmm. type we thing. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We talked mm-hmm. patience. You stay it's patient. I told time. her that all the time. Stay patient. Stay patient. And, and not did. pushing. Yeah, so don't push it. Don't try to make a putt. Yeah. We get to hole 10, stuff it, miss the putt. We mm-hmm. get to hole 11, par 3, hit it close, putt lips out. And I'm like, what? That was 13. It happened on 13, too. (laughs) On 13. It's a par 5. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, you're right. We didn't, we had like a longer putt. We didn't make it. You're one of those guys that remembers every hole. We had a longer putt on for birdie on that hole, didn't make it. Next hole. You made a huge par putt on 11. Should you tell us? I'm taking over. (laughs) We have been balling. Like, we haven't missed a shot. We haven't missed a green. She stuffs it on 10, missed the putt. On 11 was the first where it's like she missed it, approached her left, shipped it up. Great ship. But we have a six-footer. And if she bogus this one, like, ooh, that's a setback because she hasn't missed a shot by then. So I was nervous. She missed this one. She's going to be negative. She's going to say, I haven't made a putt all day. She drains it. So, like, here we go. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, well, I'm t- oh, now I get a bit. N- n- well, yeah, I mean, I, we got to have actual facts here, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting how <laughs> you drain the par putt. Yeah, exactly. It was actually a great putt. I should remember that. That was really good. It was solid. <laughs> it's um, funny how sometimes a par putt yeah. can feel different than a yeah. birdie putt, right? It was, 100%. You yeah. You drop a shot. Right. It was a momentum putt, for sure. Do you think there was more focus, or it just happened that one happened to go in? I think I was pretty locked in all day. So okay. I think that one just like good roll just, on it. When okay. you, it was also like a six footer, not like the other putts, a makeable birdie putts like 10 feet. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. This was like a six footer. Yeah. Next hole, hit it close. Don't make it. So I'm like, how am I one under right now? Like I'm hitting it so great. So we start, you know, we're going through the round and Fred just keeps saying like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Stay patient. We get to 15, right? Par five. Par five. 16. 16, the par five. <laughs> And Fred's like, okay, just so he didn't like say this in so many words, not like you need to do this or we're not going to make it. He was like, all right, we got to like, let's try and birdie this one. So I hit a drive bomb down the middle. I have a reachable par five, but it's very narrow. There's like bunkers everywhere and a tree. And I don't think I would have gone for it if you were not there, but I was like, okay, so do you want to lay up to a good number and try to make birdie? And Fred was like, no get out your three wood we're going for it and I was like okay and something about how confident he was like made me so confident I was like why not so we hit this three wood it hits in the perfect spot takes a huge kick up rolls onto a hill left of the green and comes all the way back down goes to like 20 feet I was it to like 10 feet it seems like yeah. your like you tend to get a little bit more fired up than she does yeah. but it seems like she can almost draft off of your yeah yeah you know I mean, I'm, when i when a caddy is not like not i'm trying to be very uh, like calm yeah but if she does something well i want to really like really let her know, know. Yeah. yeah and we high five we say boom or whatever 
thing uh, we should note, that putt was not 10 feet. Fred's not American. He doesn't know what a foot is. Okay, <laughs> so it was 20 feet. Uh, fair. Let's say it was 20. But uh, also, when we stood in the fairway, right, I knew we need to get, we need two under the last three. Yeah. So we're not going to lay up on this par five, right? For sure. So send it. And she was like, okay, we send it. She proceeds to hit that about an inch in the middle of the hole short for eagle. But we have birdie, right? Yeah, tap in birdie. Tap in That's birdie. nice. Next hole, par three. I'm taking over because she don't remember. I remember. <laughs> she hits uh, it to like 40 feet left, and we have this huge ridge to put over that breaks probably like 15 feet left to right. And the camera crew came out. And the, Yeah, camera crew Except came out. The post birdie right fuck up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were nervous that that's what's going to happen. But uh, luckily she hits probably the sh- one of the top shots of the week, right? Because she lags this to like a foot. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. The issue now is that we have one hole left. Easily the toughest hole on the course. Easily so that was but a crazy up and down to make was, part. Two putts. Yeah. Two so putts. while this is happening... Oh, so 40 feet left was still on the green. Yes. Just yes. a huge yes. green. Yes. While huge. this is all okay. happening, the girls in our group are like, not crumbling, but like almost crumbling. Like, it's chaos around us. One of the girls has gone like four over in the last three holes. The other girl is having insane up and downs. A camera crew showed up. So it was like a lot of chaos around us. And I remember like not even noticing it like Mm. so focused and we were so positive it didn't even like phase us so we get to the next hole really difficult dog leg right blind tee shot if you hit this shot straight you are done like you have to hit this drive that you're aiming into the trees into like nowheresville and it's very like appealing to try and just kind of like yank it and go straight but you're screwed if you do that so fred goes okay focus up like big drive here big important drive just like do it like hyping me up so I hit big drive probably the best drive of the week over the trees all the way down the fairway takes a big hop we can't see it but somebody goes up and says someone from the group in front of us goes it's good which it's was really nice hit into the group in front of us. Oh, really? probably yeah we couldn't see him probably she was like good shot you're rude um so it's up there and we have 140 yards in a little bit into the wind the yeah. pin is and you know you have to birdie and it hadn't been said. Fred didn't say anything. He's very good about that. He was super calm, but I knew when I said, so this pin was, like, tucked. There's a water hazard in front of the green. There's super thick rough behind it, bunker left. And I go, okay, so do you want to aim? Like, maybe we just go in the center of the green and we try to make a putt. And Fred goes, you need to go right. I was like, Ooh. Well, I said, like, let's be just a little bit more yeah he said no you go like a little bit more to the right not yeah. all the way to the pin i'm just like, yeah. yeah so i knew when he said that i was like oh we need birdie <laughs> so he was like no let's let's go right like let's split this tree oh, in the so pin. you didn't know got it i mean i had like i didn't know what i was at but i knew yeah. we were close so when he said that it confirmed i was like okay we need a birdie here so he said let's split that tree in the flag and i just like we picked a good club we felt good about it the wind picked up just like i needed it to hit a shot literally flagged it like it landed what an, this far from the pin an inch from the we pin. saw it going just at the flag we're watching it it hits next to the hole rolls 10 feet by stops right there fred goes <laughs> and i was like okay then my adrenaline went like through the roof i was like yeah. wow like, we're actually stats. doing it <laughs> like we're doing literally what we had to do yeah um so then being a great caddy fred goes 
here's some trail mix, slow down, I'm going to walk, you eat this. Oh, get had some, her eat. Like, yeah, he had me like, he was like, chew. you literally said he was like chewing Wow, that's probably the like, last thing you would have done, 100%. would eat. No, I was like so rallied up at that point. Yeah. Like if he didn't say he that, I would have, I was Golf vibrating. is a weird thing probably mm-hmm. because of the adrenaline and the nerves mm-hmm. and the anxiety. Yeah. I can walk, you walk, what are we walking, six miles mm-hmm. at least and not eat a thing. Yeah. And that's not probably not that's a good bad. thing. So Don't that's do that. that's cool actually. Yeah. That like a you had her eat. Mental approach too. Like you would never eat in a stressful situation. Right. Right. So right. like when you eat something, the body's like, oh, I, I I'm not gonna be stressed. Right? Yeah. It yeah. will help. And yeah. It gave me something to do. So a good story about that. My boy John Somers, I played with him. Uh, shout out to John uh, on the Latin tour. Uh, the first three tournaments, the first two tournaments, he finished DFL, which is dead last. And a cuss word in there. Definitely. Yeah. And then the second tournament, he finished like second to last. And the third tournament, he wins the Chile Open. What the heck happened, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was rooming. And he's like, what happened? He's like, well, I started chewing gum. <laughs> so you just calm me down. What do you think? Yeah. Next week, every freaking player is chewing gum, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I was chewing gum. Didn't, didn't work. But it worked for him. But at that situation, right, you know, you rallied. I was like, okay, eat, slow down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so you told me... Eat some trail mix. I'm going to walk up and look at your putt. I want you to stay back, watch the girls, like, take it slow. So we walk up slowly. I get up there. I see that it's close, and I'm like, here we go. Okay, we got a shot. So, I mean, I think we read the putt. I saw the other girls. One of the girls in our group made bogey. The other girl was, like, already out of it, and she was very, like, she was just hurrying. She wanted it to be over. So it was our turn to go, and we had an 11- or 12-footer, and Fred was like, what did, what did you say? I think he said, like... In a little nicer language, I used to tell her, hey, listen up, we're just going to step up. You're just going to be mean, hit a good putt. Yeah. You know, like, you know... I like that, be mean. Yeah, be he mean, said, it's I like sewn in. He said, like, be a B word. He was like, you uh, need to be a B word to make it. Yeah, I mean, just like, sometimes when you're in that situation, you need to start pumping yourself up, right? I know her, yeah. right? So I know she's going to be doubting. Maybe she can, like, maybe she can tell herself... Like, just come on, you can do it. Like, let's hit a good putt here. And uh, be a bad yeah. bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. So, and uh, one thing that I really noticed now after doing like the meditation and everything, the whole performance meditation that we do is about like they call it standing in the eye of the hurricane and but like seeing everything fine. And I feel like we did that was like what it felt like when we were doing it because. It was like we knew what we had to do. We knew what could go wrong, but it, like, never occurred to us that we wouldn't make that putt. And we actually, somebody videotaped it, which was really cool. cool. So somebody came up, videotaped the entire thing. I just remember stepping up. It never occurred to me this putt wouldn't go in. Like, hit it, center cup, went in, and then that was it. Fred kind of freaked out. So nothing was going through your mind other than be a bad bitch. Yeah, and I just like... So you probably got hyper-focused on your line. Super-focused. You stepped super, up to it and you just and stroked it. And I just it. hit, you know, I've, I've just had three holes where I've literally hit all great shots. So I'm pulling from that. Um, I'm feeling really great. And the one thing that surprises me now is we hadn't made a putt all day, to be fair. Like, we literally didn't make <laughs> much all day. But it never even occurred to me that I wasn't going to make that putt. Like, I just mm. knew. And Fred, it felt like Fred knew, too. So when I made it, he goes... He was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he just, I like, dropped awesome. the flag, grabbed me. It was great. And having that on video was awesome because it felt amazing. But then, at, like, we were up here, right? We're like, I think that's the number. I'm talking to the girl in my group. She's like, I think we did it. I think we're good. 
and we get back to scoring and we're not on the number. You were, you were in bed. Then you went I, out of the number. Yeah, we then, yeah. go back, we're not in. Like, we're one shot out of it. And 30 minutes later, after refreshing 100 times, now we're two shots out of it. Oh, and shit. Fred and I are like, there's six girls left to play. Like, but there, were no, there were no uh, live scoring. So it's you like, you have to wait for everyone to finish. Yeah. So that's kind of why, you know, some girls played a little worse and all of a sudden we're back in it. But one of the last four girls had to shoot four over and she did to get us in on the number. So wow. it was, we were literally looking at like, to go home. yeah, yeah we're, wow. it was, it was straight panic. So no, well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you learn a lot from, from failure, but you can also learn from success. And it was a typical thing here where like, we kind of, he's talking about it and put it into words. You can see kind of why it kind of worked out, right? Yeah. So let me see if I can articulate the formula yeah. of getting a ladies European tour card. Mm-hmm. Let's just say of any tour card. Mm-hmm. What I heard was focus, patience, self-talk, eating, yeah. <laughs> slowing down, and acting as if you're the person that's mm-hmm. already done the thing you're trying to do. Yeah, and I all of you it. Almost like, like you acted almost like you already made it. Yeah. To me like it it was already done. And I felt that way even when we were outside the number. I was like it's just there's no way. Like all this stuff could not have happened for it to like not happen. So I feel like we kind of not manifested it but almost manifested it. You know what I mean? And like all the words you said are 100% right, but it also boils down all of those things are like the discipline to do it, right? Like the right. discipline to be patient, the discipline to plan all of your stuff out and like not push None of that when you want to push. No. Yeah. It would have been so easy to get frustrated. Well, and it's easy to like skip meditation for a night. It's easy to like not do your drills. Like it for me, it boiled down to like Scott Fawcett calls it doing your job. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Do your job. Yeah. Do your job 1% better every day. It's not complicated. You do your job and the results happen. And I think it's comforting that you can have the discipline to do it and something good will come from it. I think that is in any profession, right? Like if you just do your job, like do what you're supposed to do, most likely you will find success eventually. It's not a guarantee for sure. Yeah. But, you know, like we, we're not going to skip meditation. We're not going to skip doing these things that very easy to do we're going to go to the gym in the morning we're going to do this and if you do that consistently uh sometime it works out and uh this was one of the times you died yeah you know i've heard two definitions of what happiness is yeah one is progress mm-hmm. and two is keeping promises to yourself yeah and doing your job is kind of both of those exactly. things like i think we've all felt the feeling of when you know you need to work out and you don't. Yeah. And you just kind of feel shitty. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't keep a promise to yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, this is probably a great place to end it here. Yeah, I'll, yeah. One last thing that, that I can ask you guys, though. I ask this to every guest. Is there anything that we've talked about that you really want to hammer home and reiterate? Or is there anything we didn't cover that you think is important to leave the everyday golfer? I mean, I think uh, doing professional golf for a long time, yeah, 
don't try to do everything by yourself. Like if you if you really enjoy golf, you're learning this right now, right? If you li- really enjoy golf, a lot of amateurs think like, oh, I'm not good enough for a coach or why am I doing this? Like you're going to enjoy golf so much more yeah. if you have some people in your corner helping you, even if it's a hobby. You know what I mean? Like you right. can make your hobby more fun. So like even a less than a month, 100 bucks a month? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Or, I mean, it's just, it's just going to make the game easier. And, like, all the greatest players use, you know, practice aids, coaching, mental coaching. Like, there is something to be said there that if the best players do it, why are you not doing it? Like, yeah. wouldn't they need it less than you? Right. So, uh, like, you're experienced right now. Go see a great coach. Or go see a coach that can help you. You're going to enjoy the game much more. I like what you said, but I think also I played with some girls in a YouTube video a few weeks ago, and they were like, how are you so good under pressure? Like, how do I get good under pressure? And I didn't have, like, a really good answer for them other than, like, do it more. Because you have to do it and fail at it to realize what you did wrong to fix it. And I feel like the more you can put yourself in that situation, even though it doesn't feel very good the better you get at it. Like, no one just is born clutch. Yeah. I think it's stupid when people say that he just doesn't have the clutch gene. Like, that's but you know learned. what's also amazing about that? I'll piggyback on that yeah. from what I've heard from you guys. It's not just doing it. Mm-hmm. It's going the extra step to know, oh, so when I get under pressure, mm-hmm. I get short and I get mm-hmm. quick yeah. and I walk faster and I don't eat. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure my key right now, because I'm feeling the pressure, is make a full turn yeah. and... Stay in my posture, or like you need whatever to eat it during is. The round. And if I you're need not to eating. Eat. I mean, what oh. are you doing? Oh, it's it's a big problem. <laughs> I can go. I I went to Bandon once, and I lost like eighteen pounds <laughs> because I walked thirty six a day. So I didn't eat, you. and I was like, I felt like I was gonna collapse at the Dude, end. And I was like, your, no wonder your brain's not gonna work. Are you yeah, kidding? Totally. I bet yeah. you played great that last round, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> well, tell, them where, tell everyone where to follow you. Um, I'm on Instagram at HannahBGG, and you can find our company, our training aid company, at Short Game Gains. Yep. And uh, my yeah, username is Frederick Lindblom. Try to spell that. You can see it in the description below, I'm guessing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we post a lot of insights into our professional careers, on, especially Instagram. And it's been really fun. We have a, a tons of great people there kind of following along. And it's really fun to do what we do and have people pushing you. Like yourself, always yeah. positive. Like, come on, guys, you can do it. And then uh, uh, invite us to talk about it. So it's, oh, I mean, social media can be really a rough place sometimes. But the majority of the time, it's, uh, it's been a joy for both of us. So that's where you can find us. Love it. Well, I'm going to keep cheering you guys on. You guys are welcome <laughs> back anytime. But thanks for hopping aboard. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Hey, guys. This is Evan. Before you hop off board, if you love the podcast and you love our merchandise drops, I think I got something you'll probably enjoy. You go to thepartrain.com, hop aboard our email list, get a free newsletter that keeps your game on track, a little mental nugget every Monday. And then maybe even more importantly, first access to merchandise drops before any Instagram promotion. We send it to our email subscribers first. And so if that interests you, hop aboard the email list at thepartrain.com. Hope you guys enjoyed the ride. Take care.